Pastor Mike McCoy, welcoming you to the Time of Truth. Well, you would be surprised if I told you I was taking my text out of Matthew 28, wouldn't you? Not really. Matthew 28. We pray this will be a blessing to you. I'm going to read the first, I told Jeff, six verses. And I I, I was right, Jeff. It was one through six. But I may may jump down. Let's go through six. Matthew chapter 28, verses one through six. If you found that, shout amen. amen. In the end of the Sabbath. You could stop right there and preach a month of Sundays in the end of the Sabbath. Who He is our Sabbath. Praise God, he is our Sabbath. In the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulcher. And behold, there was a great earthquake For the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. His countenance was like lightning and his raiment white as snow. And for fear of him, the keepers did shake and became as dead men. Now this is just an angel. Imagine when they see the king in all his glory. And the angel answered and said unto the women, Fear not yet, or ye, fear not ye, for I know that ye seek Jesus which was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen. As he said, Come, See the place where the Lord lay. Father, I love you. I thank you for this morning. I thank you for this day that you've given me and your reminder and my spirit just a moment ago, God, of all the things you've given. Have your way in this service. Fill my mouth, guard my tongue. Preach me, God, with accuracy inside the bounds of the writ to touch your people. Touch your people, God, give us ears to hear. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. God, I I pray that we have ears to hear today. I pray that God be exalted in everything we say and do. We have no purpose in exalting ourselves, our denomination, or any man. God, we come to exalt the Christ. Bless his name. So have your way, Holy Ghost. Help me, Lord. Help me. I praise you for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name I ask it. Amen. And amen. Now, now, some may have come unsuspecting this morning, much like Mary did at the tomb that day. Mary, Mary, 
Mary come and found what she wasn't expecting to find. Mary came and she was looking, she was looking to find a dead man in a tomb and they was looking to pour some, put some spice on him and dress up a dead corpse, but to her surprise, he's no longer there. Resurrection means this, and I'll not try to pronounce it in the Greek, but it means this, literally, it means a standing up again. A standing up again. Something that was laid down is stood up again. That is the literal definition of the word resurrection. A standing up. They took him down off the cross. They carried him to the tomb. They laid him down in the tomb. But resurrection occurred. There was a standing up again. He didn't remain laid down in the tomb. That's the difference, Russell, you spoke of between Muhammad, Buddha, and all the other false gods of this world. They're still in the tomb. You can't find him in the tomb. There's no bones. There's no body. Hey, listen, it's just a little bit of dust in a hole in the ground. He got up on that day. It means a standing up again. Say, well, that don't mean so much to me, preacher. You've not buried as many people as I have. My cousin Mark Ledbetter, same age as me, 61 years old, died yesterday morning. 61. He was at Trent's funeral sitting in a wheelchair about five rows back. He was born in, I was born in April of 61. He was born in September. There's five of us children born in, they call us the 61 babies. There's five cousins all born in the year of 61. And Mark's the first one to leave out of those five. But you know what's going to happen? One of these days it's going to be my turn. It's going to come my way. Tommy Paulson, you know why I don't worry about that this morning? Because I know the one that got up out of the grave. I don't have to worry about that. Why is that? Because I may be laid down once, but there's a standing up again, praise God. There's a day coming, hallelujah, to the Lamb. I'm going to show, here's, I'm going to give you the title of this at the end of it. That pull a cow ray, cow does that sort of thing. First, I'm going to see us. We look, we look at a verse right here in, in, in verse number six. And he's not here for he's risen as he said. Well, first he had given the promise to get up. He'd given the promise to get up. No one else, no one else dare make that promise. <laughs> no, no one else dare boast of their self that I'm going to die, then I'm going to get up, and I'm going to show myself to many witnesses, 500 at one time to be exact. Nobody makes that boast today. Praise God, but the King of glory made the boast. He said in John 2, he said, you tear this, you destroy this temple, and in three days, I'll raise it back up again. Uh, hey, he said, I'm a coming back. I'm going to be killed. I'm going to die. I'm going to do it for you, as he as Gabe saying about but I'm getting back up. He made the promise to get up. 
in Matthew 16, he began to tell them, he began to instruct the disciples and those followers. Here's what he said. He said, look, he said, I'm going to be delivered into the hands of the scribes and the Pharisees, and they're going to kill me, but I'm going to raise again on the third day. I'm going to get back up. And then he said in one place, a couple of the guys, he said, as, it, as Jonah was three days and nights in the, heart of the, well, in the belly of the whale, so shall the Son of Man be in the heart of the earth. But I'm not staying there. It's going to be a resurrection. I'm getting back up. He made the promise to get up. But number two this morning, it wasn't just the promise. It wasn't just the promise to get up. See, it's one thing, it's one thing to say something. It's a whole nother thing to do it. He had promised, you have anybody ever, listen, I've made promises that I didn't keep. My intention was to keep that promise. I've told people, I'll be there. And I couldn't, something arose or delayed me and I couldn't keep that promise. It wasn't in my power to perform what I said I was going to do. I guess I'm the only one in the room that's ever happened to, but God bless you perfect people out there today. I really appreciate you. I'd have thought at least one grunt out of that, a holy amen or something. But he had the power to get up. He promised to get up, and he had the power to get up. Now, he said in John 10, 17 and 18, he said, I laid down my life that I might take it again. I have the power to lay it down and I have the power to take it again. He made the promise, but he had the power to do it. And what did he do? He said, no man can take this life. No, no man can take my life. No man can. That's why when he's on the temple mount and, there were, and, and there, they want to take him, Brother Dennis, and stone him, and he just, he just passes through the crowd. He just walks through them. He don't, they don't even know. They don't know how he got away. No man's going to take my life. Amen. You're not going to take it. Pilate said that day, I have power to crucify thee. No, you don't, Pilate. He said, you have no power at all except it was given from thee from on high. You don't have any power, Pilate. I got the power. I've got the power. I've got the power to stand here and take your abuse. That's what I've got. I've got the Holy Ghost. Listen, the power of God is on me and in me. And I have the power. And I have the power to take my life again. And he did. He took it again. He laid down, Brother Gordon. There he is. And he lays down his life. I don't think, I was used this the other night in meeting down in uh, Friday night preaching for Brother Avery. I don't think that Jesus, he never, I, I think the two thieves might have been kicking and cussing and carrying on the whole time and, and, and being abusive. Uh, they, they railed on him once they were hanged, but praise God, one changed his mind. Yeah, yeah. But Jesus just laid down. 
I don't think they had to pull his arms out. I think he laid his arms out. And he had the power to say, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. He had the power to say, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. That's an entire weeks of preaching right there. Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. He had the power to look at John and say, Behold your mother. Told his mama, said, Behold. He had the power to say, I thirst. And not take a drink when it's offered to him. He had the power to bow that lovely head and say, It is finished. And he had the power to get back up. Remember, he had, he had made the promise to get up. He had the power to get up. But what's got on me for a day or two is this, was the purpose of getting up. The purpose of getting up. There must have been a purpose because he's the lamb, lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Before he made anything, the plan was in place that the lamb would be slain. Now, I wouldn't have done that. I'd made me a bunch of minions, pinions, or something out here that just follow me everywhere I went. And uh, saved all the sacrifice. I certainly wouldn't have come for Mike McCoy. Now I might have come for some of you, but I wouldn't have come for that guy. Who am I that a king would bleed and die for? I wouldn't have come for me. The purpose of getting up. And here it is. Here's the title of the message. And you'll hear part B later today. But he got up for me. Yeah. Amen. I'm the purpose. Yeah. <laughs> I'm why he got up. He could have left the cross and it could have called 12 legions of angels. They could have come down. So I read yesterday, one old preacher said, I believe Michael had the sword drawn, was leaning over the battlements and balconies of heaven saying, Jesus, wave your hand. I'll come down there and kill the whole earth. One angel slew 185,000 men in one night. Let me tell you, if he'd have turned Michael loose on this earth, they wouldn't have been a breathing person on, left on planet earth. He'd have slew them all. But he was restrained and refrained, held back. By Christ himself. No, I'm doing what I came to do. Hey, I'm going to, oh, they're going to take my life. But I'm a getting up. Why are you getting up? I'm a getting up for you. That's why I got up. He got up for me. And he got up for you. Praise God. The clock went off. My feet hit the floor. And I thought, he got up for me 
Remember, remember this. And John 11, 25 and 26. When Martha comes running to him. And she said, Lord, if you'd have been here, my brother had not died. If you'd have just been here. Now, I preached a message over it somewhere. And, and, and uh, I hope God will let me preach it here sometime. Talking about now faith. But she said, if you'd have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. He had not died, Lord. And the, Jesus said to her, thy brother shall live again. She said, yea, Lord, I know that he shall live again. At, and the, at the last day and the resurrection, or the resurrection is the last day. I know he'll live again. And he said, Martha, he said, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live again. And he that liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Shall never die. Well, preacher, you just said your cousin died. Oh, the flesh is going to die. Because the Bible said it's appointed unto man wants to die. Anyone that wants to argue the Bible, just give them that verse. They'll have to confess that verse is true. It's appointed one. The flesh is not, flesh and blood shall not inherit the kingdom of God. This stuff can't go. Praise God it can't go. Something better's got to go. What has got to change me? What am I going to be like? I'm going to be like he was when he got out of the grave. How was he? Glorified. That's how he was. Praise God. And why did he do that? So he could take me with him. He done it. He got up for me. Got up for you and you and you and you and everyone in this room. Got up for you. He got up for you. He got up so I could get up. Amen. Lazarus sitting saying, "You nailed it." Lazarus had to die again. Lazarus got up. He he well he got Lazarus up, but Lazarus had to die again. But in Lazarus' mind, don't you know? He said, "Hey, that first time wasn't too bad." I've been through that before. You don't dread stuff you've been through before, amen? I've done that. Hey, I've already been there, done that. Come and get me. He's going to come get us. He's going to come get us. He done it. He got up for us that we could get up for him. You know what someone does? They make a big deal over the uh, uh, national championships of, of all the different sporting events. And they call it the World Series, but they don't play anybody but except those, uh, one or two teams in Canada. But they play in the, inside the United States, but they call it the World Series. And then they call it the Super Bowl. They, I mean, everything's big. And they, they, they get... They get these trophies, and once they get these trophies, I watch these guys, they're kissing all over that piece of gold. I mean, they're just kissing on that thing. I mean, it can't even kiss them back. But they love it. They've, they've dedicated all their time, all their effort, all their energy 
into something that they can hold in their hand. And the big thing is, oh my, don't drop it. It'll break. But they've been billions of dollars spent on it. They pay them millions of dollars to be able to do these things. And you know what? It's like Michael Jordan. In my opinion, and I've been wrong about other things, probably the best all-round basketball player to ever live because he played both sides of the ball. He didn't just shoot. He played defense to all sides. But when he got to where he couldn't do it anymore, he tried to find a sport that he could do, and he's no baseball player. He's not built to play baseball. He was built to play basketball. Well, when he couldn't succeed at that, he bought a team, he bought a basketball team, and he wanted them to be the best. I'm the owner of this team. But you know what it done? It failed too. So he bought some other things. I'm sure he, he owns more than he could ever spend or do anything with. Why did he do that? Because none of that stuff could give him back what he wanted. Couldn't give it back. You know what we are to Christ? We're something. We're his trophy. <laughs> and when I get up for him, I mean, when I really get up for him, you know what he can say? Look what I've done, and I can keep this forever. Look what I've done. He didn't have nothing to do with it. He was broken, miserable, couldn't do anything on his own. In him we live, move, and have our being. Bless God. Hey, pitiful person he was. No, nothing to boast of in himself. Everything about him was temporary. The health, listen, our abilities, our monies, what would it profit a man if he gained the whole world and lost his soul? All of these, I'm the trophy of his grace. And he doesn't just, when we get up for him, he doesn't just take us and put us on a shelf behind the glass somewhere. What did he say we were going to do? Shine, reign with him, Brother Branch, forever. I don't know about you, but to a bunch of hillbillies, that's a pretty good deal. You take what you want to I'll take the one that got up. And one of these days when I get up, I'm not getting up for Mike. I'm not getting up for Mike. He got up for me. I'll get up for him. That's why he's getting us up, Jim. He's not getting us up for a denomination. Uh -uh. Some Baptist is going to be terribly disappointed when they get there. And it's the family of God. Listen, I love my family, but I'm not getting up for my family. I think, I think my family, you won't believe this, but I think my family will be glad when I get up. But I'm getting up for him. Because he got up for me. I hope everyone in this room knows that when death comes your way, and it will come your way, that you can get back up.
without going into overtime, there's two resurrections. And I've preached this here to my congregation, but this is for you visitors. The part of the first resurrection, now is Christ risen. That's not a question. That's a statement. Now. We'd say it now, Christ is risen. Now is Christ risen. recorded in the King James. Christ has risen. And he's the first fruits of them that slept. So he's the first fruit of the resurrection. You go to Revelation and there's two resurrections mentioned. He that hath part in the first resurrection don't have to worry about the second death. No fear there. Blessed is he that hath part in the first resurrection. There is a, there's a, well when, well if he's the first fruit, that resurrection began with him. It culminates or ends or comes to a close in Revelation. It began with the first fruits. You started on this end of the field and he's coming by and he's picking him a handful here and he goes to the next one and picks one and one of these days, that resurrection is over. But oh my, the resurrection of the dead. Because there's a thing being preached out here across the world today that there's no, no problem. When you're dead, when you're dead, it's done. I've got a brother-in-law has got that in his head. When I'm dead, I'm done. I'll never know. Wrong. You'll know. The second resurrection doesn't happen till the thousand years is over in the reign of Christ. And then I see the dead, small and great, stand before God. And death and hell gave up the dead, the natural and the spiritual. You're two parts, you know. And he puts, and that gives up the dead. And they come and they stand before the great white throne. I know. I know. Oh, I don't believe all that preacher. People don't believe you can't see gravity either. But don't jump off the top of this roof. Don't fall off a ladder. <laughs> Hadn't been for gravity, Gabe never broke his leg, but you've never seen gravity. That doesn't mean that the law doesn't exist. I've never seen no resurrection. Just keep living where you're at. He's going to get me up one of these days. And he's going to get me up for him. I hope you're here this morning. You know that when he gets you up, one, which resurrection you're going to be in, and two, that he's going to get you up for himself. He wants you. Can you imagine that? You know, for the most part, people's, some people's own family don't even want them. But Jesus wants them. How bad does he want us? Bad enough to die for us. That's pretty bad. He wants you very much. Enough to die for you. I'd say he wants us. What's he going to do with me, preacher? Well, he's going to change you. When he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. What's he going to do? He's going to change us.
I showed you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible. And Paul said it like this, and we, he thought it would happen in his lifetime. He thought it would happen in his lifetime. And we shall be changed. He missed it about 2,000 years. And we shall be changed. What's he going to change us into? What he is. Now, I'll never be God, but I'll be like him. How's that? In a glorified body. What did he do? Well, he was just here and he was just there. I don't understand that. Why? The laws of nature don't apply to glorified people. Gravity has no effect. He just stepped out on a cloud and began to rise. Hallelujah. No hurt can come. He eat broiled fish and honeycomb with them. He had a meal. He had a meal. He prepared a meal. All in a glorified state. I'm going to tell you. It's better than most of us realize when we get up for him. Stand to your feet. Play me something, Sister Brennan. Bow your heads over the sanctuary, would you? Pastor Mike McCoy, thanking you for joining us at the Time of Truth.